You know how you win the battle? Listen now. You and I have the opportunity to walk in victory, to claim the victory, to experience the victory that is already ours. Because I know I have something to offer. Go where you have never gone before. Keep moving through the pain. Keep moving forward. Do what you've never done before so you can be the woman you know yourself to be. I live my life playing to win. I'm after something. So much in you. We have the victory. Hey, Purpose Chasers. Welcome to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. It is Love Month. It is the first Tuesday in February, and I'm so excited to bring to you again this episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. Listen, I know what it's like to be single during the holidays, and I want you to remember that there is purpose in your singleness and that God is looking out for you. So I thought what better than to bring back the episode that I did with my friend Langray entitled The Single Heart. So without further ado, here is a replay of The Single Heart Part 1. I know you guys loved it the first time we did this interview back when I just started the podcast and I know I have increased in listenership since then. So some of you probably have never heard this episode, but trust me, it's a great one. You are going to enjoy it. So let's get into it. The Single Heart Part 1 with Langray Carroll. Hey, Purpose Chasers. Welcome to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. I am so excited about this week's episode. We have with us none other than author Langray Edwards. Well, now she's Langray Carroll, I should say. Our conversation was so, so good that we had to do it in two parts. So this week, you're getting part one of an interview that I did with her. Langray says, too often we feel stuck in our lives being battered by life experiences and not knowing how to move forward. In both our relationships and in our spirituality, our hearts can feel broken. Our brokenness is appealing to God, but it's not his desire for us to stay that way. The single heart is a journey of how trusting in Jesus can restore you and transform you back to your original state a healed and whole person. Author Langray Carroll shares her own inspiring story of finding and accepting Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, all after spending years in a transformative wilderness. While she began single in heart and in spirit, she asked for God's union and discovered true restoration and wholeness in Him. Her journey can help with issues related to upbringing and family, the powerful bonding force of sex and intimacy, voids we may have that require healing, multiple facets of physical relationships, and reclaiming your identity and your single, unified heart. If you are feeling single in love, in life, in mind, and in spirit, then come on a journey to wholeness in the Lord. God's spirit can work within you and reveal to you the fragmented and divided parts of your heart, mind, and spirit. And by giving yourself 
pieces and all over to Christ, you too can be put back together in the image and in the heart of the Father. Let's welcome Langre Carroll. Hey, Purpose Chasers, welcome to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. And today we have a very special person with us. As you heard in the interview that I read, we have with us in the chair today, Longere Carol. And she is the author of The Single Heart. And I can't wait to talk to her about this book. You guys, if you see my copy of my book right now, it's just full of post-it notes and highlights. It's just so good. So I can't wait for you guys to really hear her heart and hear why she wrote this book. And of course, I can't wait for you guys to read it too, because this is a must read and it's such a good read. I'm telling you, you're going to pick it up and then you're not going to want to put it down. You're going to be like, okay, I have to sit here until I finish it. So let's welcome Langre. Langre, welcome. Hi, everybody. It's so, it's so amazing to be here. This is actually my first podcast and my first interview for the book. So uh, please forgive me if I, if I stumble over a few words, but I am so happy to be here and thank you for inviting me to be on. Oh, it's no problem. We, I, when I read this book, I was just like, okay, we have to have this conversation because I know this, what, when I was reading, I was like, this, this is a lot of the people I talk to are, I can see my, I can see them in this book. So I knew that this interview would help them. So we're so excited to have you, but I read your bio for the uh, listeners, but I just want you to tell them a little bit about yourself before we really get in. Okay. Yeah, sure. I am a first time author. So this is my first book and prayerfully, it will not be my last because I just don't even think that I was able to fully put everything that I wanted to say into this 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 book here. Um, I am a business owner of a photography business here in the island, on the island of Bermuda. Um, I'm a new wife. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm all of those wonderful things. But who I really am is I am a daughter of a king. I am a woman who's been restored and redeemed. I am creative and I love every single different form of being able to express that creativity. Oh, I love that. So now that we know a little bit about you, let's really get into this book, The Single Heart. Can you tell us where where your mind was at when you started writing this book? I heard you say that you're a first-time author, but I know from reading this book, this is not (laughs) going to be it. (laughs) There's so much more for you to do. There's so much purpose, and I felt like I could... I can feel your purpose and your gifts just reading it. So tell us where your mind was when you sat down to write this book. Okay. Well, to be honest, I never thought to write a book. (laughs) (laughs) I, it was probably the, I don't even want to say it was the furthest thing from my mind. It just was nowhere near on my radar. Um, Now photography, yes, painting, absolutely. But writing a book was a hundred percent a God-inspired idea. Um, I went through a process with him for seven years and I am a avid journaler. I journal every single day. I journal everything that happens in my life. And um, probably about two and a half years ago, 
I started getting having dreams and getting convictions like, go back, read your journals, and now write this in a book. And what else prompted the idea is while I was going through my process with God, um, there was nothing out there. There was no book out there that I felt really spoke to what I was going through or um, really just hit home on what, why did, why was God calling me to be single? And what was the purpose of being single in a world where everyone's pushing relationship goals and getting married and, you know, um, doing the routine uh, or doing the the process of marriage, school, education, wife, kids, dog, et cetera, you know, I'm sorry, husband, kids, dogs, et cetera. Um, so this, this book was actually birthed out of just the timing of God, you know, seven years with him and, and, and just him taking all of those, the, the things that he's taken me through and saying, it's time to write that testimony. It's time to set up a book of remembrance for you to give to people who may be also going through it and walking through the same process. That is beautiful. And they say seven years is like the year of, the number seven is the year of completeness. Um, So you really took the time. And for the listeners who don't know, I am single. So that's why this book really uh, hit my heart because it allowed me to really reflect on who I am and who I am during this journey. A lot of questions that you asked in this book was like, you were holding a mirror up to me and saying, go look at yourself. <laughs> you like, oh, go look at yourself and have some conversations with God, you know, open up your heart, see what's in there that doesn't belong in there. See those thoughts mm-hmm. that are negative, that are need fixing and go back to God. So I love that. Mm-hmm. So I was, um, I was speaking to you earlier about the point in your book where you said that you realized that there has to be more to life than this. And I was telling you that I remember distinctly when I had that moment and just seeing that other people have had that moment. Uh It was such a revelation to me because I was like, okay, it wasn't just me. I wasn't just in this, you know, by myself thinking that I'm the only one thinking like this. Other people felt that too. So tell me exactly what, what were you were in your life when you had that moment, when you thought to yourself, there has to be more to life than this. Absolutely. So I was in Atlanta, Georgia. I was hanging out with different celebrities. I was, you know, just going out, smoking weed, drinking. And I wouldn't necessarily say that I had a rock bone bottom moment that most people who, you know, come to Jesus or come to their faith have where they're just like, everything's falling apart. You know, let me try to pray out, pray to God. It was me being around people of prestige and seeing them have the fame and the fortune and the ability to travel and even being around friends who were climbing the corporate ladder and excelling in their career or, you know, and just looking at all of these things that at that time were my aspirations and they were my goals and they were things that I thought that I should want. And I was just like, really, is this it? And I'm such a, I'm, I, I definitely process a lot of things, um, that I see. I'm very observant. And to me, I just wasn't satisfied. Mm. I love that. So you, you, uh, it's, it's sometimes we, have to have find our ourselves in a moment where we actually 
realize that we're not satisfied and realize that there's something that we have to do something to change that because too often I find that people are unsatisfied, but they don't notice. So what's becoming evidence in their lives is a lot of negative behavior, a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, but they mm-hmm. haven't took them the, the time out to realize, well, wait, there's something not right here and something that I yeah. need to go back and fix. So the fact that God brought that revelation to you is, is actually phenomenal. But then you went on to say that um, you decided to go on a journey of rediscovering who God is and who God is to you. So can mm-hmm. you t- tell us a little bit about your, your faith journey? Yeah, absolutely. So I am not one of those people who did well with somebody saying, you need Jesus, you need church, you need all. I've, I'm a little bullheaded in that. <laughs> um, I, I have tend to learn things the hard way. <laughs> and, um, you know, for me, it was like, I knew that I needed more and I knew that I wanted more and I knew that I wasn't satisfied with the things that I saw. Um, so I started to begin to look for solutions. Um, it was around that same time that a job opportunity opened up for me to come to Bermuda. And I do have, um, I have fortunately dual status with my Mm. dad being American, my mom being Bermudian. So, um, I moved back to the island of Bermuda and I started working at one of the international companies here. My coworker happened to be a Christian and she never talked to me about her, what she believed, but I knew from her lifestyle and demeanor that something was different. And she was probably the only person that when I was like telling her about my wild and crazy parties on Front Street or going out that she was giving like side eye, like, "Mm, it's probably not the best thing for you. And you know, what's going (laughs) to be beneficial in the long run. And I just, I just knew I was like, you know what, I feel like I've been, I've been in so many different environments and around so many different people who have these things. But the one thing that I've never tried is God. And I believe that that was a God, uh, thought in itself where it was him saying, you've, you've seen everything, but you haven't tried me. You know, and I, and I do believe that we, we have that. I think that, um, sometimes it takes us a long time to say like, okay, well, meditating on this isn't working or doing all the exercises aren't working or, you know, trying to climb my career higher and higher isn't working. It takes a lot before we get to that moment where we're like, maybe I need God, you know? And, um, for me, I was like, well, you know, at that time it was, I was only 22 and I'm saying, well, there's lots of gods out there. I can have <laughs> the God of Hinduism and the God or the gods of Hinduism, you know, Buddhism and, and the, and the like. And I just settled on this, this piece that was like, well, you know, like almost like childlike faith, like God, if, if you're real, then point me in the direction to you. Mm. And that started a journey of, of him a real relationship. And I didn't, I didn't come from, um, a very strong church background. Um, my dad and my family on his side were strong in the faith, but I remember, um, I remember just like anytime they would try to talk to me about like scripture or don't post pictures on Facebook like that. It was just kind of, again, my stubbornness, like, I don't want to hear that. 
And as I began that journey, all of those little seeds, all those little nuggets of them reaching out and saying, listen, Jesus loves you started to come back. And it's like, hmm, maybe. (laughs) I think it is um, really a testament because they say that if you... The, the things like if you train up a child in a way that they should do, they'll never depart from it. Mm-hmm. And then you think about that scripture, you're just like, yeah, yeah, okay, raise your child right. But I think what I noticed as well when I was in university was that all of the things that people had told me about God, all of the scriptures that I have heard had been hidden somewhere in my heart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize until I was in time of troubles and I would re- it would just come back to me. So I think Absolutely. that... that that having people around you just in general to speak positivity and remind you is just like, because God is a gentleman, right? He's not going to force himself on you. He's just going to give you a little tug and a little nudge. Like, you know, remember me, I'm still here mm-hmm. until you um, find your way back to him and to your relationship with him. So yep. I heard you mention your coworker and I remember in your book, you were saying that you were looking, you, even though she didn't tell you about her faith, you just knew that she had it because of her demeanor and how peaceful she was. And you wanted Mm. the same peace. And I was just like, wow, because so many times people think that in order to share your faith with somebody, you have to consistently tell them about it. But sometimes it's just your demeanor. It's just how you carry yourself. Absolutely. Joyce Meyer has a quote that I adore. She says, preach and minister to everybody. And as a last result, use words. I love that. I love that, right? It's so yeah, good. I love that. <laughs> but that's exactly what my coworker did. Like she was ministering to me in just, just, through her her character and her lifestyle and her ability through you know stressful situations in the office not to start cussing like a sailor or flipping out or you know even you know just just that peacefulness of her lifestyle yeah so uh shout out to your coworker for <laughs> reintroducing you to god cuz now we have this book so yes. <laughs> shout out to her um wherever she is so as i go on with this book, you start with a deceitful heart. And Mm -hmm. I think that is just the title in itself is just like, Oh Lord. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a quick, like little, just, okay. Now that I got your attention, let's dive right in. (laughs) So tell me about the deceitful heart. Tell me about that. This book was really, uh, fun to write, but difficult to write because it required me to go back to my 22 year old self and just how, I mean, just how jacked I was, you know, and not, not jacked to like, or messed up, I should say, uh, messed up to maybe how other people would perceive on the outside who don't know you, but like, you know, when your soul is not right, like Mm. when you go home and you're just like, something is not right within me and I can't fix it with stuff or with people or with things or with, it's just, there's just, it's just not there. And it wasn't until I actually, um, 
you know, did make the choice to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior and invite him into my life and understand that he paid a huge price for all of my sins yesterday, today, tomorrow, and so forth. Um, And that was the direction that God himself pointed me in through, you know, uh, different people. And it it just different coincidences and and stuff that would spring up when I was in that place of searching and just also keeping my eyes peeled for him to speak and for him to reveal which way to go. Um, It wasn't until I started to read the Bible that I, I realized that I'm look. I'm reading the Word of God. This this book that everyone has, you know, tried to beat other people down with, or or tried to manipulate people with. And I'm and I'm reading it, and I'm saying, my life's my life is in total contradiction to this book. But what this book is saying, you know, I something about it is making me say this is the truth. And that truth was like piercing to my heart. It was piercing to my soul. It was piercing to my mind. It was just like, wow, wow, this is, you know, this is, this is different. Um, and then of course, reading scriptures that say the heart is desperately and deceitfully wicked above all things, like who can know it? So I, none of us know our own hearts, but we serve a God who's in the business of hearts, who searches all those things. And he begins to reveal what our hearts and what our, our, our minds and our souls are really comprised of. That is so true. And I, I, I love to encourage my listeners to go and read the Bible for themselves. They say that the Bible is the one book that reads you back. And I think that it does Ooh. because it'll be telling you about yourself and you're like, okay, Jesus, yeah. you didn't have to go so hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a little. <laughs> I know. But, and it says, and it says that the word of God is living and active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It literally will pierce the division to the soul and the spirit. It just, it discerns our thoughts. We serve a God who knows our thoughts even before we think them. You know, that's amazing to me. That blows my mind. <laughs> it, it is definitely amazing. So I, I was reading that you were, so you've, you know, giving your heart to the Lord and you're starting to read the Bible and you came across the scripture, first Corinthians six eighteen, that says, flee from sexual immorality. And <laughs> I know that one can just read anybody like, wait, wait, what? Wait, huh? Like, <laughs> what? You want me to get out of the bed with my little boyfriend? Like, mm-hmm. it didn't make sense to me. <laughs> especially, especially not just i guess just looking at even societal no- norms like we're we're taught like to be sensual and sexual and you know to get experience and to try new things and try new positions sorry i don't mean to be graphic to but like just all of these things that we're taught and we're not taught the opposite so when i read something like that at again 22 years old flee from sexual immorality i'm like what <laughs> huh yeah, and, and I, yeah, yeah. I know that is something that most people struggle with. No matter what yeah. what level or how long you've been a Christian, that seems to be an area because of the way society is um, portrayed to us. And I remember when I made the decision 
Mm-hmm. I think I made this decision twice to be abstinent. But when I, the last time I made the decision about three years ago that I was going to continue on and flee from sexual immorality and actually uh, put more effort into practicing abstinent, whether I'm dating, whether I'm single, what abstinence, whether I'm dating or single, it isn't an easy things to do because that's the thing that's portrayed to us. That's how they say, this is how you show your love with whoever you're with. This is the way, this is the way if you're not doing it, you're in love. And that's something that's kind of taught to us and things that we see at such a young age. So the older we get, the more ingrained it is in our mind. And we have to really work on our mind to actually come out of those thoughts. So after you read that, how was your process in fleeing from sexual immorality? Oh, it was rough. (laughs) It was rough. I, I, it, it was a lot of falling on my face. It was a lot of repenting after falling into sexual sin and eventually getting to the point where I was just like, I don't want to feel like this anymore. Because the thing about when you invite God into your life, the things that you once enjoyed or the things that you found you were able to do without a conscience, you can no longer do anymore. So here it was like, you know, I had read a scripture that said, flee from sexual immorality. I was accountable. There was no possible way that I can sit here and say, okay, I can have a relationship with God and then continue just doing whatever I want. It was like, the conviction was so strong that this is not the way to go. And then even when I tried, or shouldn't say tried, but even when um, those boundaries weren't in place while I was dating and I fell in sexual sin, it was it was a quick like, rem- it was a remorse that just bubbled up within me like, God, I'm so sorry. Like, please um, deliver me from this and help me to get stronger in this area. It was uh, renewing my mind about boundaries. It was renewing my mind about, you know, understanding the opposite sex and that not only when you when you are in sexual sin are you committing a sin against your own body but you're also you're also causing somebody else to do it you know and god doesn't just love us in terms of like us meaning who's in it but he cares about the other person too so it starts to become like this man like you know god wants to heal all of us and what we end up doing a lot of times is we're just perpetuating brokenness yeah we are. And, and what I want to reiterate to anybody listening that when you are building your relationship with Christ, it's a process. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to ever think that you get saved and all of a sudden everything is great, dandy and perfect and all your desires go away yep. and all your negative thoughts go away. You just stop gossiping immediately. Like if nobody has ever told you that that's not what happens, we're here today to tell you it's we're a process. We're going to set you free today. <laughs> yes, it's a process. Okay, so sometimes it you is. fall, but the, the 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 fact that you have conviction and you know mm-hmm. that you can go back to a God who will forgive you is so amazing. I think we fall into a problem and we start sinning and there's no more conviction. I think that's oh, yeah. really have to have a check, but. I remember when I would fall and I would immediately, immediately mm-hmm. just be like, <laughs> I know <laughs> just, it would just be like, if, if, uh, it would just be like me crying before God. Like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I need help in this area and really working on my mind. And like you said, working on knowing boundaries and understanding the opposite sex. Cause uh, the Bible says that 
for every temptation, God, God provides a way out. So sometimes you either have to try and not put yourself even in a position where you can be tempted. Or if you find yourself in a position where you're tempted, look for the way out. Cause I guarantee you, God has provided it for you. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, um, when you were examining yourself and I think this is a, a, a thing that we can learn from as well. And I'm going to just read this section here. And you said that you, my issue wasn't a God problem. It was a me problem. Mm -hmm. I needed to allow some things in my life to change if I was going to have the correct heart motive and even the room to receive what I was asking for. And I think that having a revelation like that um, ladies is, is so important because too many times we go in and we blame other people for a lot of what we are doing, but we don't take accountability that we've caused some of this. Like it was yeah. our decisions, although we may have experienced brokenness, hardness, we've been betrayed. What we did as a result were, was our decision, our actions. So when I read that, I was just like, yeah. It is a me problem. (laughs) Yeah. Me problem. So how did you, what was your process after realizing that it was a me problem? Um, I, uh, I, I say like the longest journey sometimes is just coming to yourself. You know, it can take a very long time for the, the toxic person to realize that they are the toxic person. Um, obviously learning more about God's character and his nature, that he's holy and he's righteous and he's good and he's, he's uh, a provider and he's all of these wonderful things. And then just kind of holding up that, that mirror and even just reading about Jesus, you know, who was sinless and he, he was loving and, you know, all these different things. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm not like that. And then, you know, again, with, with, the presence of God in your life, he starts to shine that light on every area, <laughs> every area within you and within your life and, 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 and challenges you to make some choices um, to invite him into those areas so that they can be changed. And he, he raises a new standard. He gives you a new desire, you know, and you have to start to look at things and say, yeah, no, I can't, I can't continue in this. So that was, that was a really, um, tough, tough awareness to come to. But once I came to it, once I realized that it's a, it's a me problem, it's not a God problem, but God was here to fix my problem. I could be a lot more open to him. Yeah. When God shines a light, on you when you ask him you're praying you're saying you know god show me myself (laughs) i always i always kind of i'm like i i i'm praying that yes but in the other hand in my in my other mind it's like "Mm, please just show me like roses and cotton candy (laughs) that's what i want to see back don't 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 show me that attitude i know one of the things that i have to i have to and i'm still working on is personally it's my attitude and it's mm-hmm. funny because I am, I can, I'm usually so sweet and mm-hmm. I can take a lot of stuff. But once I get to a certain point, that's it. And I remembered that God showed me that. And it's my turn. Oh, we could have another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he showed me that. And it was just the tone of voice that I had when I was speaking to people. And I remember 
being at the nail salon and being really irritated with the girl who was um, doing my nails. And I was so snappy with her that the Mm -hmm. next time I came back, the Lord was like, apologize. And I was like, but I wasn't (laughs) even wrong because (laughs) I know that she should have fixed this problem. We've been talking about this for months now. And the Mm -hmm. Lord was just like, apologize. Yeah. I grumbled a little bit and then I was like, I have to apologize to you. I am so sorry for the way I treated you. I'm sorry that I, I made you feel X, Y, and Z. That was not my intention. I was just irritated on that occasion. I need to fix it. But it was for me to see that it was just like, um, no, I'm a sweet person. And he's like, no, you're not, not all the time. Yeah. Like, uh, are you sure? Yeah. That, that, that learning humility is intense. (laughs) (laughs) It is so intense. I remember being at work and somebody was uh, leaving the job and in her closing speech, she was talking um, to me and she was just like, one of the things I love about you is no matter how I treat you, whether I'm rude, whether I'm hard on you, blah, 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 you just managed to say calm and peaceful. And I'm thinking to myself, if you ever understood this process. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> this is the working <laughs> I was like this is the workings of the Lord because there is a reason that I am an attorney I have an argumentative <laughs> side to me and I really have to work on making sure I leave that in the courtroom so yep you are literally my test you have been my test <laughs> thank you for buffeting me and <laughs> the sharpening of of this characteristic yeah, so I um, I thank God for showing us our heart. So guys, when you go ahead and have that prayer, just be prepared, okay? Like, I don't want you to be yeah. afraid of asking about it because there's some things that you just need to see, but be prepared and be prepared to do the work and go back in humility because sometimes the Lord will tell you to apologize. Yeah. Or will, like, even sometimes when you don't even think you're wrong, if God tells you to apologize, just go apologize. I guarantee you he's right. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you <laughs> he's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so another really good thing that was in your book that I want to talk about is that you said that every individual on earth should seek to be single. Yes. And I feel like nobody seeks to be single. Nobody. <laughs> no, We get kind of like bo- forced into it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Forced into it. And we get forced into it. And once we're forced into it, we kind of own it. We're just yeah. like, yeah, we're, I'm single right now. I'm out here. I'm independent. But it wasn't our intention. That's just how we ended up. Because I, I, I feel like the way we're raised is always to uh, be in a relationship, especially as women and especially as women of a certain age. When you come back from university, people are looking at you like, what's next? When are you going to yeah. be married? When are you going to have kids? So you're always looking for Mr. Right or like some people like to say the other half. And that's a whole nother conversation in itself, the other mm-hmm. half of yourself. But you've written that we should seek to be single. Tell us why. Well, most of us have never really been single. Um, I think that we've dated, we've continued to be curious, we've, you know, but for the most part, I don't know how much um, of how many people have intentionally said, I, for a season, am just, I'm not going to date. 
I'm going to just allow this time to be processed, to recognize, especially as adults, I'm going to take some time to do like an assessment of (laughs) my life up until this point, you know, um, just allowing ourselves that time to be single and single in the context of, um, becoming a whole, a whole person by yourself. Um, one of the convictions that I, I got, and I was listening to, uh, a teacher, Dr. Miles Monroe, he was a phenomenal man. He passed away a couple of years ago and I yeah. fell in love with him early in my walk with God. Uh, which is funny because my husband is actually Bahamian. And so, <laughs> and so like when I met him, I was like, Dr. Miles Monroe. He's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, anyways, um, but he said, he said in one of his sermons, he was, he said, um, God didn't create a couple. We have this, this saying in our culture that mm-hmm. um, communities are built on the family or a I don't know how the quote goes, forgive me. But um, he was, he, he reiterated, he was like, God created one person first. And when he said that, I was like, you're a hundred percent right. And he, he put so much purpose and so much direction and instruction in this one person and just fulfillment in this one person before he brought another person along. Um, I was convicted by the fact that one day I was just thinking, I was like, man, you know, I do want to get married, but all these divorce rates, you know, people breaking up left, right, and center, like what we have all of these things in place to help married couples to heal and to go to counseling and to have therapy and to work through their issues so that they can prevent divorce. But what if we took an even further preventative measure and said, let's get people, let's get single people, individual people whole and healthy and healed from childhood trauma and generational curses and generational cycles and bad habits before we decide to put them in a, in a relationship with another human, another flawed human being with mm-hmm. their own stuff and tell them, okay, good luck. Now let's go represent the bride of Christ. And, <laughs> and you know, uh, cause our communities and stuff to flourish and thrive. So what if we, we took some more time to be a lot more intentional as single people um, before we made that commitment? Oh my goodness. And I think when you find the beauty in singleness and find the beauty in working on yourself and actually really digging deep and spending time to figure out what actually needs healing because Mm -hmm. we aren't one half of a person trying to find another half to create a whole. It's about being two whole people. And I love in your Mm -hmm. book, you define holes. So I'm just going to read this for those listening. And you guys, you have to get the book. I'm not going to give everything away. So you have to get the (laughs) book. But um, Longray defines whole as containing all components, complete, not wounded, injured or impaired, sound or unhurt, having been restored, healed, a thing entire in itself. And Mm -hmm. I think that journey of becoming whole is so important. And I, um, I, it makes me sad that I find that a lot of, and this could just be in my community, but a lot of 
churches kind of disregard the single person. Mm-hmm. They There's always a marriage ministry, but there's never a singles ministry. So mm-hmm. married people have things to, that they could be doing, but the single people are just kind of left to fend for themselves. And nobody's really teaching us properly about uh, making sure that we're whole, making sure that we look at our, our hearts, making sure that if we have any childhood trauma, we deal with it before we get into a relationship with somebody else, because we're just going to continue to, if we're not whole and healed, we'll just continue to cut other people as yes. we go along. Yeah. And two dysfunctional people can never make a happy, healthy, purpose-filled life because you're just too busy hurting each other. So I think that the importance on on singleness and using this opportunity to become whole is so important. So ladies, if you're listening and you're in the stage of your life where you are single, there's beauty in it. I don't want you to uh, there's you purpose. There exactly. There's I love that. There's so much purpose and and I would say I would even say now um I just got married 5 months ago now being married and have gone through that process with God, it has so much purpose for setting you up for your one day spouse. The things that I learned while I was single, being obedient to God and, you know, listening to him and spending time with him, you know, that carries over. And, Mm -hmm. you know, nobody would have ever really told me that if they never went through the single process. So one thing um, I am so thankful to God that he did take me through the process. Now looking back at it, now being married and have waited for my maiden, we also, you know, have the testimony of waiting until our wedding day to kiss and to have sex. Is is how amazing it is when you you give yourself that time with God because what we also also forget is that God is a big picture God. So He's not just looking at our lives; He's also looking at future generations and generations to come to the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh. So if you have stuff in your family or things that you've been through that he's just like, I just want you to give me some time so that I can clean this up so that when you do come together with your, your, your mate, we can have, we can have a legacy of, of godliness. Mm. You know, we can have, we don't have to perpetuate brokenness. And, and I, I, one of the other things about, uh, why I felt I think so strongly about writing the book was because of the fact that it was really hard <laughs> and the books in my in my maiden name, but it was really hard to take advice from women who had who went home to biceps and triceps in their bed. I'm sorry. I was like, you don't know my struggle. <laughs> Listen, preach. I was like, I can't receive this from you. Like it was just so hard. And I remember I just looked all over the place for another single woman who didn't sound like she was just making the best of a situation that she herself didn't really want to be in. I wanted to hear somebody who was saying, yes, I got, I got lonely. Yes. I had to, to block that dude's number from saying, Hey, big head. Yes. I had to, you know, I went through the season of jealousy when all my friends were getting married and I'm just Mm. like twiddling my thumbs like, God, what is going on? Yes. You know, I, I, you know, just, there's so many things that you have to navigate through, but there's also like, I'm like, I'm sharing in, in the book is, the beauty of God, of allowing God to process you and dig down deep and to restore you and renew you and get you so rooted and grounded in him that any, that when he does send the man that he has for you, when he does send your answered prayer, because that's what he will become, he is a compliment to your night 
to your, mm. to your life and not a completion to it. Mm. I love that. A compliment and not a completion. But you said something while you were talking that I just can't let slide. You said in your testimony and congratulations on, um, on your wedding and on being married. I am so happy for you because to see somebody who actually went through a process that yeah. they can share with us and then they are now married with the spouse that they had prayed for, like you said, the answer to your prayer. But what I want to ask you about is you said that you waited to your wedding day to um, kiss. Yes. Let's talk about that for a second. Cause <laughs> I can understand waiting to your wedding day to, you know, to have sex, but you said to even kiss. So just yeah. add some light on that for us. Right. So it's not, it's not biblical. It's not something mm-hmm. that it's like, if you kiss, then you're a sinner and God doesn't love you. No, like for, for us, it was, it was protection. Um, mm-hmm. Let, I'm just going to be honest. You put a man and a woman in a relationship together and they're falling in love and you see a man worshiping and loving Jesus. Let me tell you, all it takes <laughs> is a little spark. Okay. Especially because when you take the time with God, you don't have to go through this long drawn out process of wondering if this is the person. Like oftentimes, like you have such a peace about you and mm. the time, the timing of it is so right. And also if you're, if you're, well, if you if you take the time to be prayerful and of, again taking sex off the table is allowing you the opportunity to get to know who you're who who's in front of you you know giving the time to court and to date in um is it, it allows you to see the person for who they really are and to to test the spirit to see the fruit to see if this is a man or woman of integrity mm-hmm. Like, you know, to see if they, what they say lines up with the way that they live. Mm. And, um, yeah, for us, for us personally, um, this was the, the first man that I dated that I said, I don't want to kiss until, (laughs) until I get married. And I was really nervous about setting that standard because I thought he was going to give me the side. I like, girl, you're tripping. But he, when, when we met up and I said it to him, he he was okay. He was like, okay, that's fine. And it, and it is, it's protection. You know, God is, is trying to protect our hearts as his daughter, but he's also protecting his sons, you know? And when you meet a godly man, you got to understand that like God, God is cares about him just as much as he cares about you. So he's not trying to get him messed up, you know, and fall into something just as much as he's not you. So that was a, that was a standard that we, um, we decided on and, um, but yeah, it's, I, it's not uh, a qualifier. You're not condemned if you, if you decide to kiss now, I w- don't, don't, yeah, there's some other boundaries that you will definitely need to do, but, but yeah, no, we're, we're, we're grateful that we have that testimony. And I, I, that your, that testimony really spoke to me when you, um, when you initially said it. And of course, as you explained, because I feel like as single people, we also need to know our trigger points, right? Mm-hmm. What is actually going to lead us down the road of temptation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes for some people, it could be kissing. Yes. And I, I, for, for yeah. one, know that that's a trigger point for me. So to hear you say that you even waited until you got married to even kiss, that was like, yeah. okay, that's possible. Yeah. That, that is actually possible. And the fact that you were, you had that conversation, even though you were 
unsure of how it was going to go, but you still found the strength in your wholeness to know what standard you would set during your relationship is so, so beautiful. So ladies, I just want you to know that we're only really have gotten into (laughs) chapter one right now. (laughs) Let alone the We barely, we barely, barely, barely scratched the surface. So I already know that you guys are probably going to get this interview in two parts. I'm just heads up, like there's going to be part one and then we'll resume for part two. But um, this is just speaking to my soul. So if this interview is solely for me, I know it's not, but if it's solely for me, my soul (laughs) is happy today because you need encouraging along your singleness journey. You do. And you, like you said, hearing it from somebody who's actually been there, not somebody who's going home to their husband makes so much of a difference because when somebody is talking to you and it's like, don't do this, don't do that, blah, 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 blah. And you're just like, yeah, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. But when was the last time you were single? Like, is it fresh? Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember yeah. the struggle? Yep. <laughs> Do you know what it was like? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Like I, re- I remember um, one of the things that when I was working on, you know, and, and working on being abstinent, I noticed how I can't even watch certain TV shows yeah. because it's just too much for me. You and have I- to know your triggers. You have to know what it is for you. Like there's just some places that when you're trying to live pure and you're trying to come out of that you're trying to honor God with your body and your life and be a, you know what I'm saying? And keep, yeah. your, keep your legs closed. Like you just can't go to certain places. You can't be around certain things. You can't listen to certain music and, you, you know, and it's, it's a sacrifice, but the peace of mind, and we would have to get into a whole new, but the peace of mind that you start to get when you know that God is delivering you from some things and restoring your heart, it's just, it's worth it. It is definitely worth it. And I think um, that's just a highlight for you guys who are working on being abstinent and being pure to just be careful of the things that you are letting into your spirit, the things that you are watching, what you're hearing, what you're seeing, what you're listening to. Um, I remember distinctly, I know certain shows I can't watch, but I remember wanting to, what was it? Scandal. I started to rewatch yeah. Scandal. And when I was watching Scandal the first time, I was in a very long-term relationship. So a lot of the things I didn't really notice because it wasn't something that I was trying to avoid. Now mm-hmm. that I'm actively trying to avoid, I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> Three episodes into the first season, I'm like, I can't watch this. How did I watch it the first time? And then I thought to myself, wait till I'm married. I'm watching everything. (laughs) Those are the things that you start to notice when you're actively trying to pursue God and making sure that your heart and your mind are in a right place. So what I want to do is we are going to cut this interview right here. And the reason I'm cutting this interview right here, because we're going to keep talking, but you guys are just going to have to tune into it for part two next week. Cause I don't think we're ever going to find a, a safe spot to wrap it up nicely. So I'm going to cut it right here and we will be back with part two next week. Be sure to uh, tune in because you're going to want to hear the rest of this interview. So tune in next week and we'll have Long Gray right here, right here, back with us. She's becoming our new uh, best friend, our new singleness guru, our new help, our new help 
during the struggle. So we're mm-hmm. going to have her back next week. So thank you guys for listening and we'll be back. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. And as always, if you like the show, subscribe to catch every episode and leave us a review so that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. See you next Tuesday for another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast.